It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting live from the Morton studio, taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us an email if you'd like. We're getting a lot of pictures and a lot of questions and uh, even some tissue and soil samples in. Uh, and that's great. We love taking a look at that and, and trying to help you with any issues you may be running into. Radio at agphd.com is our email. You can find us on Twitter as well, agphd media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Well, a lot of things going on here, getting prepped for the Ag PhD field day. It's coming up Thursday, July 25th. That's next Thursday already. I can't believe it, Brian. It seems like uh, we just got done planting. Oh, yeah, we did just get done planting. We've got some little crop uh, in the area. You know, field day site looks great, uh, but certainly you'll see uh, a mix of crops. I think that's one of the things that a lot of people are looking forward to coming to the field day this year is just getting the crop tour between your home and ours and seeing, okay, got to drive across uh, maybe part of a state or several states. Let's see what this crop really looks like because it's for sure up and down. Well, if you do that, you're probably going to be buying a whole bunch of corn and soybeans after that. I know I certainly am optimistic about the crop prices going up when I go around the United States. Things look terrible. But there is a percentage of the crop that looks good. And I I continue to talk about this all the time is let's look on the bright side of things. Like even on our own farm, we've got half, three quarters of the crop that looks great. Let's spend the dollars there and not worry so much about some of those other acres that, well, quite frankly, they're not going to be phenomenal. That's the way it goes some years. But with rising crop prices, we've got the opportunity to do really well. So I'm super excited about that. One of the big things that we've done over the last three years now is we've really started focusing on some of the micronutrients. So we've done a tremendous amount with potassium, for example. We put a lot into our fields. So we've got a lot of 6%, 7% base saturation K on very heavy soils. So we've got 600, 800 parts per million of K, which is really helping when it comes to stand, when it comes to lodging, when it comes to grain quality and overall yield. So all that stuff's great. So we've had this big focus on NP and K for a long time. But on the micronutrient end of things, that's one of the big differences. And you can see it if, let's just say, I'll give you an example. If you've got any corn that had some yellow tops in it this year, Darren and I were just looking at a field a couple of days ago that had that exactly. A lot of people say, oh, it's fast growth syndrome. There's no such thing as fast growth syndrome. There is something, though, called nutrient deficiency. If you've got yellow tops, if you've got striping in your plants, if your plants don't look nice and dark green, something's wrong. And the odds are extremely high. It's a nutrient problem. So figure out what it is. Don't just get soil tests that say N, P, and K. Look at all the things. So we've spent a lot of dollars on boron. We've spent a lot of dollars on zinc. We've spent some dollars on manganese, some on copper, and it's making a big difference. We've got some fields that look phenomenal now, and we're not having any, any, well, I shouldn't say any. We're not having nearly as much of that yellow tops, the striping, all these issues that we used to see. 
So look at the big picture, look at everything, and nutrients are an enormous part of it. When you come to the field day next week, you can talk to some world record farmers. You can talk to yield champs from around the country. We've got a bunch of them lined up to talk to you and also to show you what they're doing in the field with plots they've been managing here all season long. So it's fun and exciting. I'm looking forward to it myself. We've also started, we're going to start for the first time ever, we're going to start the field day really early. So if you want to come and you want a little more let's say, uh, one-on-one time with some of these high-yield farmers, come early to our field day. We start at 7 a.m. We're going to have some of these super high-yield farmers speaking as early as 7.30 a.m. in the morning. Okay, that I mean, when, when uh, we look at our normal weather, our normal weather at this time of year is 60 to 65 degrees in the mornings. It's beautiful. You got an opportunity to be right out in the field, talk to these farmers, come early. I'm sure you're going to beat most people. And we want you to attend some of these sessions that these high yield farmers are putting on and then ask them questions like that. Like, what do you think about boron or zinc or sulfur? What is it taking for you to get to the next yield level? And they'll talk to you about their stories. It's super interesting. I've learned a lot from these farmers and you certainly can too. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on at the field day, and you may say, well, I'm not a corn guy. I, I raise wheat, or I raise something else. Guess what? We've got a lot of different crops here at the field day, too. Sunflowers, dry beans. We've got... Sorghum. Yep, Milo. Uh, so it, it is a number of different crops, and a lot of the things that we talk about aren't they don't just pertain to corn and soybeans, even if we were happened to be standing in a corn field. You know, that's a good point, Brian, because a lot of the soil things that we talk about, we just yesterday uh, had a crop consultant down in California and who raises dozens of different crops. And to, to talk to him as well, good, good corn growing soil and the things that we do to grow corn, the same lessons hold true growing any crop. When we're looking at soil, it's the same nutrients that our plants are going to need. Now, some crops may need a little more nitrogen than others, for example. But for the most part, we need a little bit of NP and K and sulfur. We need a little bit of micronutrients. We need a little bit of the secondary nutrients. And those rules hold true. It's been fun. This year, we've got some brand new information with soil tests that we just pulled in the last week that it's really interesting to see what we're doing in the field. Like Brian was talking about, there's some changes that we've made uh, and that we have been making over the past few years just to see what a huge difference it's making on nutrient availability for our crops. We'll talk about all those things coming up next week on Thursday. We've also been getting a lot of questions in from farmers like yourself. If you've got questions for us, you can certainly call us here today on this Farmer Friday. Our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. We're going to be getting to the Ag PhD mailbag later in the show. We're going to be taking your phone calls. Got a lot of things to talk about today. We are just super excited. Again, we've got the big Ag PhD field day coming up next Thursday. That's July 25th. Got field plots, demos, educational sessions, hands-on activities. Got a lot of different crops, a lot of things that you will enjoy. And we have entertainment as well for the entire family, free meals throughout the day. Just go to agphd.com to learn more. Stay tuned. 
If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Grace on Next Herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Grazon Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit leavetheweedstoss.com to learn more about Grazon Next. Always read and follow label directions. You got in the field. Well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your corn everything it needs to get the job done this season. At SideDress, adding agro-liquid nutrients to your nitrogen can economically and efficiently boost potential. It's not too late to supply the nitrogen, potassium, sulfur, and boron your corn needs to reach top yields. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your corn. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com. No one has to explain stress to a farmer. That's like explaining a missed forecast to a weatherman. Now, Mother Nature stresses soybeans the way markets, bankers, and politics can stress you. But there's a proven way to reduce stress. With Preaxor fungicide, you'll see the difference. It decreases stress from disease, drought, hail, and heat, so your beans can focus on what matters most, better yields. Talk to your local rep about Preaxor fungicide and BASF plant health. Always read and follow label directions. Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and Buy Two Save Three are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. Really excited to hear from you today and, and to hear from other farmers as well around the country and around the continent, I should say. There's so much going on this year, and uh, everybody is kind of wondering what do we actually have out there for a crop. So kind of curious to get a little crop report as we go along, too. Uh, happy to have our friend Mike Starkey out in Indiana with us right now. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Darren. I am actually driving across the country right now excellent okay well what are you what are you seeing as you're you're heading across are you uh getting bo- more bullish on these markets or uh or do you think they're about right i am definitely bullish like brian um uh, i just feel that with the report that we had three weeks ago that kind of uh messed things up uh of course our trade administration is not working well for us but I'm telling you, once it's all said and done, I think we're, we're really going to have some decent prices here. Yeah, I, I like hearing that. Unfortunately, we have to have some uh, some tough times out there for a lot of guys for that to happen. So when you see all these unplanted acres, you certainly know quite a bit about cover crops, have lots of experience with that. What are you, what are you talking to uh, with, with farmers that say, man, I, I haven't done this before. I've got some unplanted acres. Do you think a cover crop's a good idea for me, and how should I do it? The cover crops actually should not be planted here until for about two more weeks for what we have out there, unless you're going to do the forage. Uh, but here in Indiana, we haven't had any rain until last Wednesday night for about three and a half weeks. So wow. if you're going to put anything out, uh, it was not going to grow anyway. But, but Darren, you would not believe all the replanted 
late planted crops that was done the last week of June, first uh, up until the Fourth of July. Sure. And with with no rain for about three weeks after that, uh, the, the crops are just pretty bad in Central Indiana. So, but driving west, I'm actually in Des Moines right now, or and. Uh, the crop looked pretty decent from Bloomington to the Quad Cities, uh, but that's that's probably you know the best soil in the world for raising corn and soybeans. Also, so uh, unusual to see so many preventive planting acres though in my area. I never seen anything like it before. All right, so talk about your farm just a little bit, Mike. What what percentage were you able to get planted, and then uh, how much of that would you say is good to excellent crop? Fortunately, we planted everything. Uh, I was actually planting some corn for my neighbor, and he did not get oh two thirds of his corn planted. Wow! Uh, but next county north of me, the new the two counties north of me, I have never seen anything like it before with all the preventive planting acres. And with that being said, uh, a lot of weeds have taken off. And that's unfortunate because now you have these weed issues since we had all these rains that finally warmed up. And now you're having people going out spraying, trying to knock these weeds down with 2,4-D and Roundup. And if you got a neighboring field with non-GMO soybeans, you got an issue with that, with drift. So it's it's not a very fun farming year for a lot of people this year. But... Fortunately, ours was planted, but I would say um, half the acres look pretty decent. The other half is uh, fair. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to 2020 as well. <laughs> we were uh, just looking at some uh, film footage, uh, just looking at an egg PhD TV show that we're putting together. And, and uh, yeah, one of the producers is like, that's your field, isn't it, Darren? I'm like, oh. I just put my hand over my eyes <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't look so good with a drone uh, when you can see all the little spots out there. And that's the tough thing, you know, as you head down the road. Yeah, you see up by the road, stuff looks okay. And now that corn's getting taller, it kind of hides some of those spots out in fields. But, man, there's a lot of spots oh, yeah. out in a lot of these fields, too, that that aren't going to aren't gonna be great. Okay, so for next yeah. year, then, if you got everything in, you're probably on your going to stay on your normal rotation then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But... I really feel there's going to be a lot of corn planted next year. I mean, uh, if we do have these prices that should increase for corn, there's going to be a lot of corn planted. So uh, I think we start should start considering pricing some 2020 corn when this market does go up in a hurry because there's going to be a – that 92 million acres will actually be the 92 million acres next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so – I, I just feel that maybe we might, I, and I had a lot of weed acres this year, fortunately, and those will go, definitely be going to corn next year. Yep, yep, I agree with you. I think there's going to be a lot of corn in 2020. Hey, Mike, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you call in, and uh, also good luck to you on all your travels. Hopefully, uh, hopefully whatever you're up to, uh, you everything goes well for you. Going to Yellowstone. There take you a go. Family trip. Oh boy, you're getting the big. So, you're getting the big tour of the country then. That's exactly right. So, well, stay cool, Darren. You bet. You as well. Uh, I've got Bubba down in Mississippi, and stay cool is probably good advice for you too, Bubba. That's a little easier said <laughs> than done, though. That's exactly right. It's uh, 
north of 95, I think, uh, today right now. It's a, it's a hot one. And listen to your last caller. Uh, unfortunately, I've got the uh, same broken record scenario going on down here. And I just returned uh, yesterday from Fargo, North Dakota, for a meeting United Soybean Board and saw a similar situation up there as well. Yeah, I was just uh, up in Fargo a couple of days this week, too. Very little uh, crop, what I would call good to excellent. Don't know that I saw any good to excellent soybeans. You know, when you think about it, we still got a little bit of time on these beans. And if things uh, can turn around just a little bit, if we got a stand out there, we we could still be okay. But uh, you're right. We've sure suffered from a lot of excess moisture, especially, like you say, up in the north. Yeah, in fact, we uh, polled the board just to get an idea of uh, the situation of everyone's crop. And I would say there were probably, of the 73 directors, just about firing out. You could count them on one hand, those that had a, had a good crop or what they thought was a good crop. But we were able to plant everything at least one time, uh, a lot of it twice, and some of it three times on our farm. So um, we do have a good stand, and we've got a crop to, to work with, and we're fortunate there. I've got friends and neighbors just 50 miles south, uh, maybe not quite even 50 miles south, that are experiencing a backwater flood, a historic backwater flood, and they've been dealing with this flood since February, and they've got four feet of water on their fields. Wow. Wow. 225,000 acres of cropland, about a half million acres total. Uh, I just, I just can't even imagine. That's, that's horrible. Um, uh, all right. Well, it probably gives you a good opportunity. To, hey, let's go away to a meeting and maybe not have to look at that and think <laughs> about that so much. But oh my goodness. And I'll tell you this: it's it's July. It's getting toward late July, and while we have irrigated corn once, we have not irrigated a single soybean, and that I can't recall a year uh, since we've been irrigating soybeans that we haven't done it by now. Wow. Hey, one question for you, Bubba. Now, when we think about the soybean market, there's a lot of uncertainty out there about uh, if we get things worked out with China, how many beans can they even take? Uh, do you have any intelligence on that as far as uh, how how much of a market still left over there? You know, we had an update on the African uh, swine fever at the, at the meeting. I, I really don't. It would be hesitant to say um, I still know that China is a very important market for us, and we want to do everything we can to um, to get that back and improve those relations. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, you get a second on that one from every farmer out there. We're really <laughs> right. excited to kind of get yeah, back to a little more predictability here. A lot here. of time <laughs> and a lot of checkoff dollars and, and a lot of effort in developing that market over the last 30 years, and it's it's important to us, and you can't recreate it. Nope. Um, that's not to say that, that we're not working um, hard on other markets and, and um, expanding where we can, though. Yeah, that has been kind of nice to see some of these other markets come in line, and it certainly gives us some hope. Uh, well, Bubba, we really appreciate all the work that you're doing with the USB, and uh, uh, good luck to you down on your farm as well. Sure, thank you. It is Farmer Friday on our show today. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show to take your calls and agronomic questions. If you want to talk about how things are going on your farm or in your area or just kind of give us an update about uh, what you're seeing as you travel in the country, we'd love to hear from you. Phone lines are 844-44-AG-PHD or you can email us radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back after this.
What if you could protect your soybean plants and reduce yield loss from white mold? Cobra herbicide can help you jumpstart the natural defenses in your soybean crop against the heavy yield loss white mold can cause. This season's wet weather, cool temperatures, high humidity, and moist soil are prime conditions for white mold. And Cobra is a cost-effective way for you to help protect your soybeans. Apply now to jumpstart your fight against white mold with Cobra herbicide. Visit your local retailer today to learn more. Always read and follow label directions. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic pesticides from Atticus, LLC. Atticus offers a vast portfolio of branded generic fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides for row crops. Atticus puts grassroots experience and common-sense logic to work to make product selection easier and on your terms. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the Steps GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, it's Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and questions. We'd love to hear from you. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Louisiana. We've got David with us right now. David, how's it going for you? We're doing pretty good down in Louisiana. We uh, we stomached our little hurricane. Uh, we're on the west side of the state, and we did not get much rain out of it, and it was actually a perfect rain for us. Wow. That's, hey, that's really good news. Yes, sir. Okay, so so you got a got a timely rain for your crop. What what stage of growth are you in with your crops? Well, the corn we'll probably start harvesting corn in about two weeks. It's pretty much done the rain, but the soybeans they are just now the the earlier varieties are starting at R three, and then we have some that's just starting to bloom the later ones. 
Okay. And uh, with plenty of moisture, the crops really in our area look good. Outstanding. You might get a might get a year where you get a decent price, and uh, you also get a decent yield. That would be that would be really fun to get both of those things. Okay, so corn harvest uh, starting in just a couple of weeks. What do you shoot for for moisture in your corn? And I know in different areas of the country this is different, so it's going to be interesting to hear what uh, what Louisiana's like. I know we do not like to start harvesting anything above twenty. <clears throat> excuse me, percent moisture. We will hold out as long as we can. Um, when it hits 18, then we, that's when we go. Yeah. And it's, it's neat when we're in the North and we don't get to harvest until October. So we're way behind you. So you get to do it when it's smoking hot out there. And for us, a lot of times it's already getting cold. And so we can handle stuff quite a bit wetter without the fear of spoilage right away. I can only imagine if you harvested uh, 30% moisture corn, how fast that would go bad when it's 90 or a hundred degrees. Correct. Correct, and when the humidity is almost ninety, <laughs> so. yeah, it's it's just neat. I, I love this how um, we we get to talk to farmers all over and and just compare notes. And sometimes it's easy to say, "Well, we do it this way," and well, it doesn't always work everywhere with different conditions like that. Uh, when you look at your corn, if you're going for eighteen percent, do you have what do you have for issues at harvest? Do you have standability issues? Do you ever see eardrop? Uh, is shatter at the head a big concern for you? Not, not, not at all. Not, standability is good. The airdrop is okay. It, you don't really see a whole lot of that. You might get a little bit of shattering, um, and that's just control your head speed and do the best you can to avoid that. But when you cut above 20, it, you just spend a lot of time and money drying it down you know, to below 15. Yeah, it's it's different when we've got uh, we've got some really cool nights to help us if we use uh, dryers and heat things up and try and get that moisture out and we've got a nice cool night to run some air through the bins, cool everything down. Yeah, just a whole different world. Uh, tell me about your yeah. soybeans just a little bit. What ma- what maturity group are the beans that you plant? We are at the earliest ones are four point five the variety and the latest ones we have are five and a half. Okay. And they were all planted within a week to 10 days of each other. And, of course, we started with the four or fives first and went till we were done with the five and a halves. Okay. So some of those five and halves, are they determinants then? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. Now, it, it, goes, it goes a long way from what we used to do. I mean, when I was younger and my dad was farming, we were planting group eights. Yeah. <laughs> and, that is uh, unheard of. Even even sixes are unheard of around here. And, sixes are, you know, and why is that? Is the is there just no point in it? You don't get as much yield, or or why would you make the switch? You, you string out your growing season so much longer on those later varieties that down here with the the insects and diseases can just really wreak havoc, and you just spend too much money on trying to keep them out and spray, whereas you can get your crop out in the field at a timely fashion. Usually by middle of October, we're done. Or we're done with harvest soybeans. And I remember as a kid, those later varieties were still green. Well, there's still stink bugs and your caterpillars and worms and everything that can still go in there where you have to spray. Yep, yep. Just get them out the field, and the yields are so much better now on those earlier varieties for us. 
Yeah, that is really cool. I know we see uh, some of the varieties even that get planted up this way moving down, not quite as far as Louisiana, but but certainly moving a couple of states further south than I ever thought they would be. And so we're seeing this kind of change uh, really across the country with guys planting some different maturities. I know in the north, we've backed off on corn maturity up here for different reasons, but we're still seeing good yields. So yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely going to change over time. Yes, there are, there are farmers experiment with some group threes in the, the state here. I haven't yet, um, but a lot of those are cane for, sugar cane farmers okay. where they need to get them out early. It's plant something or leave the ground fallow for them before they start planting cane, and that's why they plant those threes. Very interesting. David, thank you so much. Really appreciate talking to you today, and, and good luck here with corn harvest coming up uh, just real shortly here in the next couple of weeks. Well, thank you. You bet. Uh, let's head uh, up to Ontario, Canada. We got got Philip with us right now. Philip, how's it going up there? Good. That was an incredibly interesting discussion with a Louisiana farmer. Yeah, a little different in Ontario, isn't it? It certainly is. We're a lot farther north. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I, I like just thinking through some of those things because oftentimes uh, we can pick up a few pieces of information here and there that, oh, that's a, a trick that those guys have learned and maybe that would work here or vice versa. Yeah, I thought it was interesting what he said about the length of the soybean season and how they've shortened it up a little bit. So, Yeah, it really makes a difference when you have lots of heat. You can do a number of things. It was kind of interesting. Darren and I were down in Brazil years ago, and we had this farmer. We were going to go see some dryland rice, and he was harvesting dryland rice. And we get out to his farm, and they had the combine stuff. They had everything shut down. And we go, hey, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I didn't mind waiting a little bit. Every day is the same as the next. If I don't finish today, I'll finish tomorrow. I'll seed my next crop yeah, tomorrow. It yeah. doesn't really matter. I got all the time in the world. And we're like, yeah, man, yeah. somebody here would run you over before they stop the combine. I mean, we got a roll. So, uh, Philip, tell us. have different ways of doing things. Yep, that's for sure. Philip, tell us a little bit about what the crop looks like up in your area in Ontario. Well, basically, it's not good this year. Um, we're similar to Ohio, <laughs> you know, in parts of Indiana, where they had an extremely difficult time getting crop in the ground, and there's lots of prevent planted acres in some of those states. I know we really don't know how much of it yet, but, of course, in Ontario, we had very similar weather, and it was the most difficult spring of my career uh, to the extent where there was at one time I didn't know if I'd get my crop planted, like many of my colleagues in Indiana and Ohio. Uh, however, I got the last soybeans in on the 24th of June. And, you know, I'm in Canada here. I'm in the same latitude in Detroit. So, yep. you know, we're pushing the Canadian winter we're looking at. And Ontario extends from, like, Detroit in the west to Montreal in the east. So there's a lot of territory in, uh, to cover. But it, it's been pretty tough here. It's the toughest of my career and crops are at least a month late. So we were talking earlier, Darren was discussing, you know, differences down in the Southern United States. Well, one of the things that has happened for farmers this year is they're getting these prevent plant payments, insurance payments. That's in the United States. How does that work in Canada? If a farmer can't plant because it's too wet, is there insurance that could help him in terms of prevent plant? No, nothing like you have in the United States. And then of course you get the market facilitation payments too in the United States, which we don't get. I mean, there's a small crop insurance payment for unintended uh, or unseeded acreage, but it's very small and nothing as lucrative as what you have in the United States. So we try to get the crop planted, but of course, you know, with the Canadian winter coming on, even though I'm in the same latitude with the, as Detroit, Michigan, sure. you know, we just don't have the same support. So it's totally different. 
So if you didn't get soybeans in, what did guys go to if it turned out to be in July before they could plant anything? Mm-hmm. Well, they, they didn't plant anything. There's For the first time in my career, there's land that's not planted here in Ontario. And the reason it wasn't planted simply because they, we couldn't get it in. And the crop insurance deadline was extended here to July 5th. And still at that date, people couldn't get uh, crops in. So like I say, it's the first time in my career I've ever seen this. And, uh, and that's what happens. They just don't plan anything. Yeah, it's an unfortunate deal. Darren and I have talked a lot about 1993. We were both very young agronomists, very young. <laughs> but uh, when we when we were going into that spring, it just kept raining and raining and raining. And that was the first year for us where we literally in the United States here saw millions of acres unplanted. It's an unfortunate deal. Well, hey, Philip, thanks a lot for the time today. Really appreciate it. Hope to talk to you again soon. Stay tuned. You're listening sure. to Ag PhD Radio here on a Farmer Friday. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at mortonbuildings.com. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. You got in the field. Well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your bean crop everything it needs to get the job done this season. Adding agro liquid fertilizer to post-emerge spraying passes provides your soybeans with the nutrients needed when the plant reaches the reproductive stage. Foliar feeding soybeans can provide the end-season edge you need to economically and efficiently boost yield potential. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your soybeans. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com. We started utilizing the dual react system this year. You can adjust your speed and it automatically adjusts your sprayer tips so you can slow down and you aren't building up huge droplets or you can speed up and you're not throwing a mist that's drifting. Hypro, helping you spray better. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? The Soil Warrior can reduce trips across the field, optimize nutrient placement and improve soil health. So you can lower production costs without losing yield. See what makes the Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Foliar sprays are only effective if you can get applied product into the plant. Nutex EDA is a micronutrient-based additive that delivers the foliar absorption boost you've been looking for. Nutex EDA supports rapid penetration and translocation of both nutrients and systemic crop protection within plants. Research trials have shown a 10 to 20% increase in nutrient absorption and higher tissue levels for a longer period, resulting in higher yields. Use Nutex EDA this season with all your foliar applications. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an agri specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. 
Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at GrainPhD.com. It's the mailbag, the mighty mailbag. Ask the questions with glee. It's the mailbag, the mighty mailbag with Brian and Darren Hefty. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday today. Our phone lines are open if you'd like to call in at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, we're going to dive into the mailbag here. We got a couple of questions. I got one from Greg. He said, I'm in Western Michigan, and he said, you've helped me in the past with a small field, which is reclaimed pasture and woods that we planted grass into. I've been working on improving the soil, which was low in most categories for nutrients. The problem I'm having now is fungus. I believe it started showing up in about 20% of the area. Uh, I sent you some pictures here of some of the grass uh, and what the fungus looks like. I see some little white speckles on the leaves and also some pretty big uh, yellow and brown lesions on there, too. He said, we've been trying to avoid that by just watering in the morning only, but it's been so hot, so humid, and we've had excess rain. Uh, Clearly, it's a big year for disease. So I'm curious, how can I treat this? And uh, if you aren't a full-time farmer... Where can you buy products uh, to treat that? Okay, so first of all, before we ever talk about fungicide, we need to think about what are we doing for fertility, for drainage, everything else to make that grass as healthy as possible. So if you've got drainage right, you're not mowing it or grazing it too low, and you've got the right balance in terms of nutrients, soil pH, all those soil factors, well, then your crop, which in this case is grass, is going to be much more tolerant to diseases, to insects, to weeds, to everything. So that's the first step. Then when we talk about the question of, well, where can I get products if I wanted to spray something? You don't have to be a full-time farmer, but you may need a restricted use license or a private pesticide applicator's license. In some states, that's free. In other states, it's very low cost. So you could do that. You might have to take a quick class, you know, for a few hours, take a a short test, something like that to get approval. But I would encourage anyone who is spraying any pesticide to do that, just so you understand a little bit more about safety, especially human safety. Okay, so then we get to fungicides. Are there fungicides labeled for use on grasses? There are. Um, honestly, though, I, I'm, I'm no grass expert. You want to talk corn, soybeans, wheat, most crops, and I can you know list off the top of my head almost every single product that actually is labeled. I don't off the top of my head, though, in this case, remember which fungicides are specifically labeled for grass, and it could make a difference which grass species we're talking about. But you can look those things up or talk to your extension agent or uh, just an, a local agronomist and find out which products would be labeled for your particular situation. All right, let's jump back on the phone lines. we got Sam with us down in Alabama. Sam, how's it going? It's going good. How are you guys today? We're doing well. We're doing well. Roasting in a little summertime heat, but our crop kind of needs it right now, so I can't complain. Well, we're all in uh, under a little heat advisory down here. It's been in the 90s and close to 100 with very, very high humidity. We've had a good bit of rain move through after we got the uh, little hurricane come through which was more beneficial than it was damaging on down here anyway excellent that's good news 
Yeah, yeah, you just never know how those things are going to turn out. So when when we hear, uh, hey, it didn't hurt anything, it actually helped our crops. Uh, well, that's that's fantastic. Where where are you at right now with corn? Is it getting pretty close to harvest for you? Yeah, we looked at some corn this morning. As a matter of fact, it's uh, it's not in black layer yet, but it's in it's it's denting, and uh, uh, I think we're I think we're going to be pretty well on track to harvest mid-August, something like that. Maybe last third week of August is probably where we'll wind up being uh, being done. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, with this next report coming out in August, what that ends up doing to crop prices here. But I have to imagine it's uh, got a good potential of being a positive boost for us. You might be just right in the perfect time for that. Well, we need uh, our crop's not all that good. We had a very very extended dry period on our corn. Uh, we farm over a pretty wide area, and the southern part got rain. And we had cotton and peanuts planted there. The northern part got rain in June, and we had uh, cotton plenty there. But in the middle of where we farm, the middle counties had uh, a pretty good area where most of our corn and double crop soybeans are at, and some cotton. But uh, it seemed to affect the corn worse than any. It was in its uh, the whole month of June. Our whole corn year here is pretty much determined in June and early july if we're wet and cool during that time period we we generally make a really good corn crop and if we're hot and dry any of that stretch we we have pretty hard time how about with the cotton (laughs) did that did that hot dry stretch work out okay for the cotton and push that along yeah i think the heat really helped the cotton and it probably helped it you know we had subsoil moisture we had good subsoil moisture so i think probably it reached down and grew some roots and and it it kept growing fairly well uh some of the seedling cotton that didn't come up early we had that in some fields where we planted in uh oh mid to late may and uh it wasn't hardly enough moisture to bring it all up across the hills and you know the drier areas of the field and uh that cotton when it did come up didn't grow well during that hot dry period it just sit there uh but it's growing now but it's gonna be it's gonna be late we got some fields that's gonna be touch and go if they have time to make uh you know we've we've got two distinct cotton crops we got the cotton we planted in april that looks really really good we got some cotton that we planted in early may that looks pretty good along with it but then we got some mid to late may planted cotton that uh it's just got some issues. It's going to be some parts of the field that's going to really be it's going to be a real management headache too because it's going to be when it comes to foliation time, it's going to be some of the field needs to foliate and some of it doesn't, and it's all in the same row. So that's why everybody don't do this for a living. <laughs> I tell people, yeah, I tell people it was easy. If farming was easy, everybody. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't think any farmers looking about anywhere in the country this year in 2019, really in the, in all of North America, and saying, "Boy, farming is sure easy." Uh, yeah, this is a good year. Good year to discourage others from picking up the trade. How about how about the peanuts? Just last question for you: uh, Is this one of those years that the peanuts respond well, or what happens when that ground gets just scorched and hot? Is that is that a big negative factor there? Well. Yeah, if it gets really, really dry at the wrong time, peanuts won't peg out. They won't grow out on the, the vines won't, when they put a peg down in the ground because as they as they grow limbs out, they'll put that peg that has to get into the ground, into the soil. And uh, if it's really hot and dry, they they won't they won't make. And uh, but you know, it's kind of like cotton in that it you got what we call a taproot crop and a limb crop and in our part of the peanut growing world we're so far north that we usually don't have a lot of success making a crop out on the ends of the limbs it's usually what we can grow up and down that tap root that makes our crop good or bad and uh, uh, peanuts are probably a better crop for dry weather than most everything other than cotton uh definitely a lot better than soybeans and corn that's that's for sure yeah it's kind of neat that you get a chance to to plant a few different crops spread out your risk a little bit that way it seems like uh even when it's a bad year for one usually one of them turns out okay and i'm glad to hear you got a couple of things that that are looking pretty decent hey sam good talking to you again glad to hear the the hurricane was wasn't a big bad deal like sometimes it can be of course and and uh, good luck here the rest of the growing season. All righty. Well, you guys uh, just keep plugging along. Someday you'll grow up and have a jump here. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sam. I really appreciate that. I thought he's going to give us a hard time about the field day coming up next week. It's Thursday, July 25th, the Ag PhD Field Day. You can find all the details at agphd.com. Hope you can make it to that. Should be a really fun day. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of your calls and questions after this. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus, LLC. Unwanted insects are a nuisance, but they're no match for Serpent from Atticus. Serpent delivers economical, fast-acting, broad-spectrum control to help your corn, soybeans, and wheat crops thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. 
For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. What if you could protect your soybean plants and reduce yield loss from white mold? Cobra herbicide can help you jumpstart the natural defenses in your soybean crop against the heavy yield loss white mold can cause. This season's wet weather, cool temperatures, high humidity, and moist soil are prime conditions for white mold. And Cobra is a cost-effective way for you to help protect your soybeans. Apply now to jumpstart your fight against white mold with Cobra herbicide. Visit your local retailer today to learn more. Always read and follow label directions. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side. So it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio today. Just taking your phone calls and questions now. We've got Ben calling in from Northeast Iowa. Hey Ben, how are you? Good, good. It's a little hot, but a uh, nice day. <laughs> you know, maybe hot for human beings, but I love this for our crop. Our crop's a little bit behind. We needed some heat. And like today on our farm, it's 90 degrees and 70% humidity. Um, an awful day for human beings, a fantastic and, and day soil, for the corn and soybean crops. Our soil is fully charged with moisture too, Brian. I think that's one of the keys. If it's uh, upper 90s and you got no moisture in the soil, that's trouble. But on a day like this, I think it's actually moving us forward pretty quickly. Hey, Ben, I hear you yep. got some questions about anhydrous. What can we do for you? Yeah, well, with the, with the cold, wet spring that we had, uh, we had the same problem that shows up when, we, when that happens is uh, streaks from the shanks um, that you can see until about the corn canopies uh, sure. from between the shanks to on top. Yep. And... Uh, and yeah, normally the cold cold conditions make it show up the worst. I've uh, got a few guys talking about switching from 30 inch spacings to 15 inch spacings on an ammonia bar. Okay. Uh, didn't know if you had any experience with that or not. Okay. So first of all, I don't have anybody. Okay. So first of all, my my question for you is: I assume we're talking about spring applied anhydrous versus fall. Well. Mostly spring. Um, okay. We could actually even see it in fall, this fall applied also. But uh, the majority of it would be spring. Yeah, one of our biggest concerns with anhydrous is always, is that ground going to seal? And uh, kind of along with that, are we going to do any sidewall smearing? And, you know, with anhydrous, we always used to use a lot of anhydrous anymore. We haven't in the last three years just because most everybody's kind of gotten out of it around us. And the anhydrous prices have gone way up all because of the regulatory side. So anymore, we can do urea or we can do 28% as cheap or cheaper than anhydrous. So we've kind of gone that direction. But we've got a lot of experience with anhydrous. 
Um, you know, the, the we always had the best success, and kind of like you're talking about, when we could get it on when the ground was relatively dry. you got to have some moisture, but it's got to be relatively dry. Well, did we ever have a dry day last fall? Probably not. Did we have a dry day this spring? Probably not. So I'm with you. We saw more issues with it this year, and I don't really know how we get away from that. Even if you would have gone 15-inch, we still would have had some problems just because it was so wet. So that's my assumption uh, in, in terms of, hey, would this fix the problem? I don't really think it would. Now, the nice thing is if you were to go to 15-inch, then you're going to spread out your nitrogen a little bit more. There's more chance that uh, uh, that plants are going to hit it, that uh, you're going to get maybe a little bit, hopefully, faster uptake in the spring because when the roots are small, you want them to get some nitrogen, but you also don't want to get them overloaded. So when you spread it out a little bit with the nitrogen, um, that's a lot of times a good thing. When we talk about some of the non-mobile nutrients like P and K, a lot of times we don't really want those as spread out. We want concentrated bands because we have a lot more tie-up issues with phosphorus, especially in potassium, just a little bit as well. So I, I wouldn't have any big issue if you want to go to 15-inch, but let's also keep in mind then you're pulling twice as many shanks now, so it's going to take a little more horsepower, and then there's going to be the uh, the, the desire, I'm going to assume, if you want to run fast, to go a little more shallow. And I don't really like that idea either. I want to keep my anhydrous down in the ground a little bit. So there's some trade-offs here. I don't know if 15-inch and going to that is going to do it for you. And you've spent more money. And you now need more horsepower. And there's going to be risk that you might be more shallow as opposed to deep. So I, I don't know. I mean, just as I think through it in my head, because we, we used to talk about this exact same thing. And what we always ended up doing is we started running at an angle. And I don't know. I, I don't know that there's any perfect way to put anhydrous on other than I would just say you've got to try to find some, some period where you've got drier soil. And a lot of times for us, that was in the fall rather than the, in the spring. In fact, on our farm, we just said, look, if we don't get it done in the fall, we go to plan B. We do not do anhydrous in the spring because we had some of the same issues that you're talking about. Yep. But uh, no no experience with na- narrow nope. we, narrow we n- Nope, we never did 15-inch because I, I, I kind of talked through some of the things that we discussed at the time and we're like, no, I just don't think that it's going to be worth the extra expense. Uh, we wanted to get our anhydrous down on the ground a little bit to make sure that we had it uh, covered, make sure that we had it sealed, make sure that we were a little safer for human beings and everything. And I wanted to go wider and deeper, which meant I really didn't want 15 inch. I wanted 30. Sure. Yep. Yep. Well, it's all the all the reasons why we we haven't done it yet either. Yep. You know, it's just uh, it's going to be expensive for sure. Yep. So. Yep. So, no, right. I, I, I just, I still come back to, and this is something we do talk a lot about at our winter meetings, for example, just, you know, how you're going to apply fertilizer. And we are just not big believers in putting anhydrous out in the spring. And I realize in some areas there's been a lot of that done, but, you know, where we farm in the country, I mean, you're not too much different than us latitude-wise. It's just cold. 
a really long time. And by the time it actually gets warm enough to dry that soil out, well, I think for, I'm going to guess for you, yeah, and definitely for me, I want to be planting. In fact, a lot of times we just said by the time it's actually fit for anhydrous, we should have been planting one to two weeks earlier than that. So it just doesn't work out very well. So that's why I just said, you know, once we get past fall, didn't get anhydrous on, we just went right away to plan B. So we were ready to go with whatever we wanted, 28% or urea, depending on that year's price on whichever one was cheaper. And we just went that way. Okay. All right. All right. Well, great for your input. So. All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot for calling, Ben. Really appreciate it. And good luck to you the rest of this summer. All right. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. All right, Brian, got an email from Paul, and he's in Indiana. He said, hey, guys, love your show. Listen to you on XM. Can you tell me if it's safe to use permethrin on my sweet corn patch? Uh, I'm, I'm actually in Iowa. Uh, I've got about an acre of sweet corn. I'm wondering if I can use permethrin and what rate I should use. Yes. So whenever these questions come up, now what I always tell even like young agronomists and especially young farmers, if you have to look on the label, and, and we do want you to look on the label, you need to follow the label directions, There, that's the law. But you always want to talk to an agronomist who's got experience and some know-how so you understand not just what the law is and what the label says, but understand what's the best thing for your crop and how really should you use this or should you just avoid it entirely. So, for example, permethrin, I will tell you, yes, it's labeled on sweet corn. Yes, there is a one-day pre-harvest interval is all. So you can spray it right up until the day before you're going to harvest. And the use rate is going to be 4 to 8 ounces. Now, as an agronomist and somebody who's got lots of experience with permethrin, I will just tell you I'm not a real big fan of it. Here's the reason why. Because it's only a few cents per acre cheaper than a second-generation pyrethroid. Permethrin is a first-generation pyrethroid, and the difference between the first-generation and second-generation is the second-generation products have good activity in grasshoppers. So, for example, Asana, Serpent, Silencer, Warrior, all those kind of uh, Lambda-type, mostly Lambda-type products— Uh, in second generations, they'll get grasshoppers. So for a few cents more, I get my grasshoppers. If you want to spend a little more money than that, you can go to Bifenthrin. Now, you've got to look again at what's going to be labeled for your particular crop and sweet corn and everything. But I would just tell you, um, you know, like with Bifenthrin or Lorsban or something, the reason why a lot of people talk about those in a variety of different crops is because of spider mites. So you have to look at what are you after and what kind of cost is there. Now, I will also throw in one last thing, and that is skin sensitivity. With the pyrethroids, there's good news and bad news. The good news is it it was developed from the chrysanthemum flower. So it is it is very safe to human beings. I'm not worried that anybody's going to die or get cancer or anything like that from the use of a pyrethroid. However, they are skin sensitizers. So it just like some people are allergic to flowers or some people will develop a rash when they get around certain flowers, same thing can happen with some of these pyrethroids. So with permethrin, for example, uh, there are some people that are very sensitive to that. And then some of the other ones, and some may even be encapsulated, they're not sensitive to that one. So that's one of the other things that you want to take a look at, especially if you're going to come in relatively close contact with this stuff. So as always, we're going to tell you, use personal protective equipment, use great care when you are spraying anything. But permethrin, yes, it can be labeled or it can be used on sweet corn. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that, Paul. Good luck with your sweet corn patch. 
Uh, again, I want to remind you the Ag PhD Field Day is next Thursday, July 25th, right on our farm here near Baltic, South Dakota. You can find all the details and pre-register at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to our program today. We really appreciate it. Be sure to join in again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.